When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, here as always with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. We talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to us every week, make sure you go to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify, and subscribe there. If you subscribe, you won't miss an episode. Plus, you get all the other content that they post uh, on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT at A to Z Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports.com for the stuff that Zach and I write on the old internet and YouTube.com. This is imperative for this episode. Because we're going to watch some video clips on this episode. We're stepping it up, stepping our game up here at the old Big Orange Podcast. We're going to watch some video clips of Nico Iao Maliava. He was in Knoxville this weekend throwing uh, throwing at the 7-on-7 seven seven competition at Farragut High School. We're going to watch some clips from that. So make sure, if you want to see those clips, make sure you go to A to Z Sports on YouTube and subscribe there and uh, watch the video of the podcast that is on YouTube. A to Z Sports on YouTube, subscribe. Hit the, the that notification bell too so you don't miss anything that A to Z Sports posts. All right, let's get to it, Zach. Obviously, we're going to talk about the big recruiting weekend. I've already said it. That's coming up. But first, Zach, we got to cover Tennessee baseball just continues to be I, I i mean i'm i'm like running out of accolades for this team at this point running out of the correct words to use they have now a 12 and 0 start in sec baseball play it is the best start in the history of sec baseball 12 and 0 ever no other sec baseball team I mean, and this goes back decades and decades and decades. No other baseball team has ever gone 12-0 to start SEC play. It's just incredible. The team is, I mean, what, what, what do you say about them at this point, Zach? They're, they're just absolutely unbelievable. But uh, what's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, it was a fun base series. It was kind of... It wasn't really like necessarily like the other ones where it was a little, you know, Tennessee got behind in a couple of games, had to come back. And uh, they proved that they can win those types of games. I think that's important because we've seen it. It, it seems like it's come so easy for this team this season. <laughs> so for them to to kind of fight through and pull out a tough win or a tough, you know, sweep the series when they've, I mean, the expectations are just going to get bigger and bigger on this team as we 
move closer to the end of the season and, and the College World Series. But they're dealing with it great. They're having a good time. I mean, we saw that. We saw some antics this weekend, which uh, opposing fan bases are losing their minds over. I mean, I've, <laughs> I even saw one person on social media. I'm not sure what fan base it was. But they suggested that the SEC like penalize Tennessee for uh, the little the little slide that uh, they had there where they Lupik, however you say his name, Lupicus, Lucius, uh, when he touched it, you know, went full bench warmers, touched home plate with his finger. Great moment, and uh, the traditionalists didn't know what to do. And Vitello, I mean, what what else can you say about Tony Vitello? He this team has personality, and he lets them explore that personality within reason. And he knows that sometimes he's got to calm them down, but he doesn't. He lets them be themselves for the most part, and you know it seems to be working. It's honestly like magical. I feel like that's the right word. Just yeah. what is what's happening with this team? You obviously said it there. This was probably the closest series Tennessee has had in any so far in SEC play. Um, and probably of the entire season. And they still, in two of the three games, yeah, they fell behind, but they didn't like gut out a win. That third game, they gutted out a win, and that's yeah. kind of a different thing. But they fell behind, and then eventually, obviously baseball is really a game of attrition. It got to that sixth, seventh inning, where the depth of Tennessee's baseball team set in, and then they just ran away with it. It wasn't, well, it was close, but it wasn't close, so to speak. And you really, I think this was the truest exhibition of how dangerous this team is, how truly good they are. I was, look, this this gives me kind of the, what's the right word? The heebie-jeebies, I guess, to say, uh, was watching the SEC Network show that is specifically about SEC baseball. I forget, Rally Cap or something is what it's called with Dari Noka and, and a couple other people, Madison Shipman, who shout out VFL, Madison Shipman. Um, and one of the guys that was on that show, he said that and he's a SEC baseball, a former SEC baseball player at Ole Miss. So he's not like a Tennessee homer. He's not anything like that. He said, Tennessee, this Tennessee baseball team is the greatest college baseball team he's ever seen. He said, he said that he hasn't seen a college baseball team that's better than this one. And I went, uh-uh, don't start saying stuff like this. Don't do this. This is not like I love it. I'm having a ton of fun. Let's not get into this, like, maybe the greatest college baseball team ever sort of talk. Like, that's not the expectations I want on this team. They're making them for themselves because they're just smashing everybody. <laughs> I mean, it's unavoidable at a certain point. But that is because if you end up falling short, you don't want that moniker to hang over this team's head. It just it's it's like when Kentucky basketball lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four after going whatever thirty seven and zero, and then they lose in the Final Four. You know, and that team is forever known as the greatest college basketball team that didn't do it. And just don't let's not do that, please. And I think if they keep playing like this, as I said, it's going to be unavoidable. It's going to be completely unavoidable because they are just so powerful. As a team, if they don't beat you with the pitching, they beat you with the offense. If they don't beat you with the offense, they beat you with the pitching. The pitching is so deep. They those the starters are as good as they are. And then they go, they go to Mabry and they go to Sewell and they go to Joyce and they go to all these guys that they just have stacked up that are great also. 
And you, you really saw the difference with Missouri in the pitching. Missouri went to their bullpen and it just fell off like a rock. And I mean, they were putting guys out there that if you're Missouri's coach, you just go, oh God, don't make me do this. <laughs> don't make me put this guy on the mound in front of these kids, you know? And and you just, I think this was really the, the best showing for how powerful this team is because they got it out, the, the win on Sunday and that they fell behind and then ultimately smashed Missouri on in the first two games. I I think a lot of people walk away from this series and go, how do you beat this team? If you can't beat them in a situation like Missouri had them in, how do you how do you beat them? Because you have to outlast them. And there are very few teams in college baseball that could outlast this this team. It has to go like it did with Texas earlier in the year, where Vitello makes a mistake and puts in you know, takes out a, a pitcher who's doing very well and and just Vitello, even after the game, Vitello admitted that he made a mistake. It has to be a situation like that. Tennessee has to beat themselves. It's crazy. Yeah, you kind of alluded to the, like, the expectations of uh, what they're going to face. And it's really unfortunate because at this point, if they don't win it all, if they don't win the college world series and come home with the championship based on what they've done so far this season, it will, I mean, it'll be like, it'll be a disappointment because they are the best team in college baseball. They're the favorites and they should win. But at the same time, anything can happen when you get to baseball in, in those situations. It, it We see it in MLB all the time. We've seen it in college. I think you alluded to it a couple of weeks ago that the best team doesn't always necessarily win. It's just how, how it goes in baseball. I mean, any, you know, we see really bad MLB teams be really good MLB teams all the time in the course of regular season, they lose series. I mean, it, it happens and Tennessee's not above that happening in, in June. Uh, so it, it is a strange place for the team to be where they're so good. The expectations are so high, but no matter what happens, we shouldn't be disappointed if they don't win at all, because it, it just so much has to go right for that to happen. It is a very, again, searching for the word serendipitous, I guess. I don't, that's a weird word to use, but it really is. I mean, it's things have to just fall in the right place. Because baseball can be a game where you get the wrong bounce and things go haywire. Yeah, some team gets hot in June. I mean, and they rally and they've got all the momentum going and just Tennessee just kind of hits a wall. Like that can happen. And it's not a bad reflection on anybody that has anything to do with Tennessee. No matter what the outcome of this season, it's going to be a season that we always remember. It's going to be a very memorable season. These past two seasons in general have been. And really, baseball is more about it's such a long season, even in college. Yeah. They've played what? 30, 31 games, 32 games. So uh, far this season. 31 and one. Yeah. yeah. So they played 32 games. I mean, that's, it's a lot of games uh, for a college athlete to play. And that's just the way baseball is. And I always thought baseball is kind of more about the journey than the destination. It's what all happens yeah. during the regular season. What, you know, all those special moments that pile up, whatever happens at the very end is kind of just icing on the cake. If you do happen to win it. I mean, I, I almost want them kind of to lose a couple and just get that off your back. Just go, all right, we got the 12 and 0. We got the great, the best start ever. That's it, done. It, it almost is good they lost that game early to Texas because it's not like they're facing this pressure of keeping it going, like undefeated 32 and 0. Like we got to, we got to go out there and perform tonight. They're still loose because of that, I think. Yeah. Cause I, I even looked, looked this up. I think, 
I think I read the best start ever in college baseball is 34 and 0. Or maybe it was 34 games in a row one, and the best start ever was like 36 and one or something. I I don't know, but tenant they're they're closing in on another one of these, you know, and, and that's just going to keep happening if you're having this historic season like Tennessee is. Um, but I, I, I say it every single time, relish this, please, please, please appreciate everything that is happening. I, I mean, I had a, in a, in a very sincere way, a conversation yesterday about this is probably the way that this team is playing, obviously, if, and this is contingent on it continuing. Um, but this is the best men's sports team at Tennessee I have probably seen in my life 30 years I I mean which you know that some of those teams with Peyton only lost one or two games in a season obviously the 1998 team but that 1998 football team wasn't dominant like this 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 team is dominant the way Pat Summit's basketball teams were the women's basketball teams and so I I think it it literally may be the best men's sports team I've seen at Tennessee in my life and I and you know, that's what we're talking about right now. Again, I, I hate to saddle them with those expectations, but that's the deal. That's the reality of this situation that Tennessee is in. It's insane to say that, but you, you know, we, we got to talk about it. Honestly, that, that really is the case currently. And, and it, yeah, it skews me out to say that, but let's be honest. Let's be honest about what we're watching right now. And so don't let this historical moment pass you by, please. I think most fans are appreciating it, but appreciate it as much as you can. And also just the the shakeup of how uncomfortable this team is making everybody is so gratifying because it is baseball is the perfect sport for the way this team is acting. Like football, you get a you get a lot of braggadocious guys. Basketball, you get a lot of braggadocious guys like that. But baseball, it's it's kind of more of a you know America's pastime, a little more like austere and oh it's baseball and you know and Tennessee just comes in with this obnoxiousness we don't care what you think and it's making so many people mad and I love it so much I I said I even I had it open when you were talking about it just a minute ago somebody two two Lipsius Lipsius's <laughs> that is a mouthful Lipsius's Sing, you know, point at the plate, the little where he touched the plate with one finger. A fan of some team, I don't. It might have been a Missouri fan, but replied to a video of that that Grant Ramey posted and said, "Making a mockery of a game built by guys named Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, among others. Like it's just this sort of like old boys where it's a gentleman's game kind of mentality, and it just screw that. We're gonna come out here, and we're gonna have fun, and this is." Oh, you think that we're we're messing up your your beautiful game? Yeah, that's too bad. Beat us, beat Tennessee, and then we don't we won't do that. You know when Tennessee doesn't get to brag when they lose, and you know what they haven't done? Lose. So sorry. Uh, is that my problem? No. And I man, it's so it's so awesome. I don't know what else can you say. There's we're again just running out of words. Great words to say about this team. I really, really, really hate that they don't play Arkansas this year. I hope they yeah. get them in the SEC tournament because yeah. that would be the ultimate uh, just Dave Van Horn losing his mind. Because, <laughs> I mean, Tennessee's like really taking it up a notch from last year, mm. I feel like, with, with kind of the uh, shenanigans that are going on and the atmosphere is as good as ever. I mean, you saw those highlights from the other night uh, this weekend, and it's just – 
where else do you see that kind of atmosphere in college baseball? I mean, I, I know there's a lot of great atmospheres, LSU and Arkansas and some of these places. But you, you flip on just a random college baseball game half the time, and the crowd is not – it's just not that way. I mean, that is really special, and you've got – who would have thought that baseball – for Tennessee would become an event that you want to have a big recruiting weekend kind of centered around. Like you want football players at that atmosphere, because when you see a college baseball atmosphere like that, I mean, you know, football is just going to be that times a hundred. I mean, you got a few thousand people versus a hundred thousand people. And it's, it's one of the best sporting event atmospheres you can go to in the spring. It's just kind of crazy how it's become a weapon and really it's a testament to Danny White, I think. I mean, he's the guy kind of that hold he's the glue that holds the whole athletic department together. And I know he didn't hire Tony Vitello. I know he didn't hire Rick Barnes. But I think he still deserves a lot of credit just for the overall tone of the athletic department because everybody's on the same page. I mean, you've got Mike Eckler, an assistant coach for football, linebackers coach, referencing Tony Vitello and Mike Honcho in these interviews. And you got Tony Vitello talking about the football team and Josh Heupel and what a great player he was in college. And it's just a really fun vibe around uh, the university right now. I mean, how, how do you not honestly, this Mike Honcho situation, they're get, selling shirts. In. They're selling yeah. shirts. I mean, did you see Nico with a Mike Honcho shirt on this weekend? Yeah. So I, this, it's kind of a perfect segue into the, the second half of the show is just going to be, we're going to talk about this big recruiting weekend that Tennessee had where Nico was back in town, a bunch of other big recruits. I mean, how much of a selling point to foot to football recruits and basketball recruits is it that Tennessee baseball is having this special moment and Tony Vitello just makes this offhand comment to be funny. Like he's doing this television interview and he goes, yeah, he's he's, mad. He's this, I mean, he was mad at the time still. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I mean, it was it was sort of in the heat of this moment of just kind of tr- he was honestly trying to kind of not be angry on TV <laughs> and, and make a little light of the situation that he was pissed off about. And, and you know, this thir- he's a 35 year old named Mike Concho. And then that I think I saw. A, a tweet somewhere that said they sold like over 3000 t-shirts just from this initial run. I mean, an offhand comment in a TV interview and Tennessee's fan base is so passionate and loyal and crazy that we go out and buy 3000 Mike Concho t-shirts for this one funny moment. And you go, just think if you, if you like, if you're Nico and you go, if you make plays and you maybe you have a Heisman campaign, think about that times a hundred, and that's where you're at. Like that's the power of this fan base because the, it's a hundred thousand people at baseball or at uh, at football compared to what is it five thousand at baseball games. Like, just take that and go. Here is what Tennessee is: a fan base that will take this sort of tiny offhand moment and make it this huge viral thing and blow it up. They're talking about it on the SEC network. Oh, it's my concho, hardy, hardy, hard, you know, and everybody's just going crazy over it. And, and of course, I mean, Beck helps himself. He hit, he hit an amazing grand slam this weekend and he just, he kind of makes, he himself is a character within what he does. Well, also. he's even, that helps, he's but. even, he's even getting NIL money now, apparently like Tony Vitello, Mentioned in an interview with Buck Rising last week on 104.5 The Zone on Buck Rising show that 
after the bat incident with Vanderbilt, where they they said that Jordan Betts' bat was illegal because it didn't have the proper sticker, and that he got some NIL money because of that moment. Like Vitello just kind of offhanded, so awesome, threw that out there. It's like that right there. I mean, I think that was on purpose. I think Vitello wants that out there, of course. Yeah, but the fact that Tennessee baseball players are getting NIL deals, like legitimate too. I mean, they're not. Jordan Beck is at Tennessee. He's not. He's not going anywhere till he goes in the MLB draft. Like he's not threat to leave. It's not some hostile situation. He's getting legitimate money off of his name, image, and likeness because they're selling these T-shirts, like you mentioned. Like they can make real legitimate money baseball players to come to Tennessee. So that, I mean, that just, you spend that out to basketball and football, the opportunities are limitless and uh, Tennessee's leaning all the way into to this stuff. And it's, it's really fun. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's, it's fun and it's smart. Yeah. Cause, cause you look with this weekend with Nico coming back. So he does this exhibition at Farragut High School. Um, and, you know, a bunch of people come out. Like, <laughs> I saw somebody tweet yesterday, just a Tennessee fan. They tweeted a picture of Florida State's spring game, and there was like five people there. It was pathetic. It was sad, honestly, because it's Florida State. I mean, a pretty proud program that has sort of been dragged down uh, in a Tennessee-style fashion, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> um, but the the person, tw- I forget who it was. I wish I should give him credit. But... They said that uh, there were more people at Farragut High School on Saturday morning to watch a Tennessee recruit than there are at the Florida State spring game. And it's true. People came out to just watch this kid basically throw <laughs> throw against air. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's fun. It's not super competitive. It is competitive, but it's not, you know. It's an exhibition for these players. And I... I mean, it just is crazy. Like, that's what you have to contend with if you're contending in the SEC with recruiting, which I don't envy anybody. Obviously, Tennessee is not alone in this kind of power. Georgia's up there. Alabama's up there. You have competition in that. But Tennessee, I mean, with the way that they can do this with this fan base and how crazy and and actionable this fan base is, I mean, the top five programs probably in America. I'd have to think about it, but I mean, I got to imagine, right? Like in terms of how powerful this fan base is and how much they move when they're prompted to, I mean, it's gotta be right. I I think top five, not like top three, you're right there. And that's so powerful in this NIL moment. So, so powerful with everything that's going on with NIL. I mean, I I don't think you can say enough about it. I just (laughs) credit, credit to fans. I, you know, we, we always have those conversations before, before the NIL stuff, kind of like how much of a difference do fans really make for recruits? Does that really, you know, you, oh, I tweeted at him. He probably saw that and thought it was great. Don't ever tweet at recruits, please. At least not in, you know, not in certain ways. And I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, but now with the NIL situation, you can affect recruiting. You can. And I think Tennessee fans are. You you go out and you you sell these T-shirts for for Jordan Beck, aka Mike Concho, and you're showing to a recruit in basketball and football. Look at what Tennessee's fan base can do, and that makes a dent in in a recruit's mind. Like that is real, and that man, that's exciting. It's really exciting. 
Uh, again, I think it, like I mentioned before, I think it's a credit to Danny White because he's taken this fan base and, and, and instead of fighting against it, he's using it as an asset and he's figuring out a way to use it to better Tennessee. And I think it's brilliant. I mean, this is a powerful fan base. I mean, it, it it's loud. It can be negative at times. There's There's been some not great moments. I think that's just passion coming through. But Danny White, I mean, he recognizes that and he knows that you have to use that to your advantage. And that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, you see, you saw it last year with like the block party at, for the baseball series, and they've just continued to try to find ways to get fans involved. Even this weekend, it, it was a big recruiting weekend. You had fan stuff for fans because they couldn't have a normal spring game. Would have been real easy to just shut that down and not do anything, but they tried to make the best of that situation. And really, it couldn't have been a better weekend. I, you didn't even need the spring game because between Nico's seven-on-seven tournament in town, uh, the baseball series, it the the scrimmage that you were allowed to watch, it, it just or on TV. I think reporters got to stay in there though for the whole yeah. time, which is rare enough. Um, it, it was just all just a great vibe. I mean, all you need is the fans there to to show recruits what they what they are going to have if they come to Tennessee and the recruits love it. The parents of the recruits love it. I had a, mm-hmm. had a parent of a recruit reach out to me uh, this weekend talking about what a great fan base it was, what a special fan base it was and how, what a great time they had over the weekend. I mean, that's, it means a lot. I mean, it's part of what got Nico in. It made a huge impact on him and his family. And I think you're seeing that with these other recruits too. It's uh, a, a real, time of uh, just positivity and and moving in the same direction however you want to say that and that is so refreshing to see i hope i mean hopefully it all lasts the way that it is because it it i mean i think it's leading to really good things i mean what what can you say you you get this positive energy going and i think it can carry you to especially to getting the ba- the football program back. You, that's that's got to be the main goal. Obviously it's the biggest revenue driver. Hypel I think is doing a, a really solid job so far. Uh and and if you can you can do that, you'll have you'll have football, you'll have basketball and you'll have baseball all working all at the same time, all all making moves. I yeah, credit to everybody involved. So let's do talk. Let's let's move now to uh this big recruiting weekend we've been touching on it already but uh to start nico Ialmaliava comes back in, into town to be a recruiting tool for tennessee uh, essentially is what he was doing and we talked about this in in the in the conversation we had when he initially committed the ability that this kid would have to bolster Tennessee's recruiting class is tough to measure because the, and and especially the way that his commitment has gone, obviously he's a five-star kid and that's a foundation for a class that you want to build on. It's, it's happened in the past for Tennessee where you got in some of these, these five-star guys, a Trey Smith, and you can go, Hey, we got this guy in the fold. He's, he's elite. You come be elite at Tennessee too. We'll build a national championship football team. Uh, unfortunately, Butch Jones was the coach, and so that never happened. But uh, now you go, hey, this kid is elite. He's the quarterback, which I 
it's it's the best situation possible. I mean, there's no better five-star recruit you could get than a quarterback, you know, signal caller. And then it turns out that this kid is charismatic and he's all about, all about wanting to reach out to all these recruits. He's tweeting at them. And, and now we, we've seen in videos now from like this weekend that he's hanging out with them and trying to be, you know, buddy, buddy with these guys to be like, Hey, come to Tennessee and we're going to build something special. We're going to do this. And the sheer power of that, of having this kid in there. And then you add on top of that, this potential, put the Astros beside it, potential $8 million deal that he had. And he can look around, you know, in, in kind of a, an off the record moment and go, Hey man, they hooked me up. And if you come, they're going to hook you up too. And, and can say things like that. I, it is, I think almost immeasurable. Obviously we'll have to see if, if we can get other big recruits in, in the basket here, but I think it's immeasurable what this kid might be able to do for Tennessee with this recruiting cycle. It's, it's so big. If you can get a huge class in year two for Heupel, Oh my gosh, that's everything. It's, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. Yeah, the uh, so the eight million dollar deal, you know, it's it's still never been confirmed. Uh, Nico's dad was asked this weekend about it, gave a pretty quick no comment, which is the right mark there. Obviously, <laughs> the Athletic wrote a, a Andy Staples wrote a, a nice article about Nico uh, uh, today, Monday. A lot of uh, careful wording went into that story where the athletic put out the original report of a quarterback signing an $8 million deal. They know who it is. Everybody there knows who it is, but they're not going to officially say. So I mean, the writing's on the wall type deal, but as Sta- Staples kind of pointed out, it's like this weekend for Nico, it's kind of like talking in for work. Like you're, yeah. you're getting paid 8 million bucks. You need to help bolster the recruiting class. Which is, you know, it's better for him too. Obviously, it, his ultimate goal is to go to the NFL and make millions of dollars and get, you know, one of those Patrick Mahomes type contracts that set you up for ten years, forty some million dollars a year. Like that's his ultimate goal. That's the money he really wants. Well, to do that, he needs the best players possible at Tennessee to raise his draft value. So it's beneficial for him, but at the same time, it's like, hey, we're paying you to. Uh, not just go out there and throw the football. We're paying you to represent this university, basically, before you're even enrolled. And he's doing a great job. I don't think, I don't think there's a player or a recruit that you could pay eight million dollars to that's a better fit for that role than Nico. He, like you said, he's so charismatic. He's taking pictures with fans. He relates to fans. He's He's a great leader. You can tell that, like the pajama pants that he wears. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of it because it looks kind of awkward. But look at <laughs> all of the people on the field with him. They're all. They're all doing it as well. I yeah. mean that he is kind of that alpha guy that you have to have in that position. But he's also charismatic. Also, all these other things that you would want out of a quarterback. I mean, it really is the total package. And then you. Don't even get into his physical abilities. I mean, the dude, he has a cannon for an arm. He's very accurate, uh, which is probably the most important trait for a quarterback. We've seen too many Tennessee quarterbacks who who just weren't accurate and they never figured it out. Like if you're not accurate, it's really hard to learn to be accurate. Uh that's just something that's it's either there or it's not, it seems to be. You don't really see a lot of quarterbacks that are inaccurate that even that turn out to suddenly be Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers out there. Yeah. And on, on that note, let's look at a couple of these 
videos from his time at the seven on seven tournament. Um, so again, you know, take from this what you want, but I think this does specifically one of these two clips really shows the passing ability of this kid, even though, you know, he's not being, he's not being pressured in this clip with, with an sec defensive line. And, you know, there's some elements here where, yeah, it's, it is what it is, but I think you look at this video and you go, Oh, this kid's got some ability that, you know, his talent is, is there. I do want to give the correct credit. The person that took this video was Dale Dowden. Um, he's VR two for SI, um, just to make sure we give the correct credit here. Um, but this is, uh, this is the video of him that I thought was like the best pass that I saw. Best video of a pass that I saw from his ex time at that exhibition game. Sit in over, over this kid that's playing defense and makes this pass. The kid who caught the ball made a nice catch also. Uh, so credit to him, whoever that was, I don't know. Um, but you can see it right there. It's it's there for this kid, and I I don't. I mean, when was the last time that we saw a recruit for Tennessee that has has there ever been a recruit for Tennessee that was a complete package like this? I mean, not recently. Trey Trey Smith was great. Trey Smith really obviously wasn't a quarterback, so it's a little bit different being at that offensive line position. But where you had this level of ability before you ever played college ball and the charisma and everything else that's going on. I mean, this is this is almost like a new chapter for recruits. And this kid, you have the guy that's on like the cutting edge of this. I think the beginning of a new generation of recruits that are in this NIL mm -hmm. era. It's it's really uh, exciting. Yeah, I think he's he's really going to be the blueprint for what a quarterback wants to do and how they want to navigate the whole situation. So that you're going to have even more recruits kind of blowing up his phone just for advice as they mm -hmm. uh, as this progresses. Just imagine, you know, two years from now, Nico's the starting quarterback at Tennessee, and you're bringing a recruit in, and that's the guy that's still selling the program. I mean, that's what else could you want, especially if he turns out the way we all think he's going to turn out. But just the you kind of talked about all the hype surrounding him, all the attention. It is really wild how Tennessee has just kind of went from a joke of a program two years ago with Jeremy Pruitt and the NCAA investigation and everything that was going on, the McDonald's bad jokes, which you, you don't really even hear that much anymore uh, because everybody's doing it. But now that I mean, you're seeing stories like this from Andy Staples written about Tennessee you know, once or twice a week, like the entire tone around the program has changed. It's not a lot of making fun of Tennessee anymore after getting Nico. Like it legitimized what Josh Heupel is doing in Knoxville. We we always said it before Tennessee as an entire athletics program kind of took the turn that it has. I mean, Tennessee is like the definition of a sleeping giant mm -hmm. where you have this insanely large actionable fan base that's so passionate and loyal and the resources and money and donors and everything and prominence. I mean, brand recognition and things like that. 
some of the greatest coaches of all time, uh, you know, with, with Nealon and Pat Summit and like, it, it's one of the great historical athletic programs in America. And to see it take the clown turn that it did starting in, you know, oh, so really 06 was kind of the first poor season for uh, Fulmer. Like that was uh, the way that all of that was handled was almost insulting to what Tennessee could be. If that's the right way to frame that, because you were really just spitting on something that can be so great. And I think you get a guy like Danny White in here who's actually competent, who knows what he's doing, who sees the power of the Tennessee brand, and he goes, oh, yeah, are you kidding? I'll take this over, and we'll get this thing rolling. Like, look at look at what you have here. You have billionaire donors, and you have this fan base that is arguably the, the best in America. And you put those two things alone together – and you can build something great. And then you put on top of that, the history and bring all of that together. And it's, I don't want to say Danny White's job has been easy, but I think when you have somebody in his position that knows what he's doing, I, I think it can be easier than a lot of people thought. I'll put it that way. Maybe because, and I, I even saw you mention Andy Staples. I remember when, uh, White was hired. Staples is a guy who, you know, he has all of his sources and he talks to all of these ADs. I remember him saying, like, Danny White's a shark. And he he doesn't mess around. He knows what he's doing. He comes from athletic administration loyalty. Or loyalty. Royalty. <laughs> athletic administration royalty. And this, like, I, I remember him saying to whatever extent that this was a great hire for Tennessee. Obviously, so far... That has bared itself out. This is Tennessee. You know, who knows when the other shoe is going to drop. But um, the the amount of competence has been stunning. But all you had to do this whole time, the last 15 years, all you had to do is just be a little competent. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it for 15 years. You know, they go out and hire a guy from Alabama and Dave Hart. And they, well, he was, Alabama's great. Maybe he'll do it. No, no. Go like go hire, make a real hire, make a guy, bring in a guy who truly knows what he's doing, not just somebody who can raise money, not just somebody who's like, oh, he came from Alabama, so obviously he'll know what he. No, that's stupid. And they finally got serious. Whoever made that decision, and look what it's getting you. You woke the sleeping giant. I think finally, thankfully, um, and man, I. <sighs> We'll we'll have to see how it turns out. Obviously, this whole thing with Nico could be a the fugazi, I guess. You know, where we're it's just kind of a facade, and then it ends up not becoming anything all that great. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. But this has this has the makings of sort of like where there's smoke, there's probably fire. I think you're headed in in a in a good direction here. It's it's hard to say that you're not with everything that's going on, and I. I love it because I've ranted and ranted and ranted at the top of my lungs for years and gone, how dare you treat the University of Tennessee this way? Spit in these fans' faces by, by doing this, putting a terrible product on the field and raising ticket prices and not doing anything. You know, you have all these resources and everything and you can't make it work? Like, come on. Stop with this. And I think they have finally gotten truly serious about that. 
and and look at the results. You have all this momentum all moving in the right direction and and hopefully truly great things to come. And you know, it the, it speaks for itself. This is what you get when you when you are actually serious about winning. I would that's the way I would put it. Serious about winning. Yeah, it's it's certainly a a different feeling than what we've seen over the last decade just uh the incompetency that we saw from previous athletic directors. And I think it comes down to Danny White doesn't think that he's the smartest guy in the room. I mean, he's obviously yeah. a really smart guy, but he's willing to listen and to make uh, collaborative decisions that involve uh, the opinions of, of many people in the room, not just himself. And that's what got Tennessee in trouble before. But as far as Nico and, and this big deal, it, it's kind of, you remember when Bryce Young, when all that happened with Alabama and they talked about him getting this seven-figure deal and Nick Saban put it out there? And there was a lot of attention around that for a, a little bit. But it, it feels like this deal with Nico is so much more than that. Like it's it's blown up so much more than even what happened at Alabama. And I think that right there is worth whatever they paid Nico. Just, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity type deal. I mean, Tennessee – People that aren't that don't really follow Tennessee football, they they know about this situation. Like it, it's everywhere out there. If you're a sports fan, just having that in the back of the of your mind, uh, just in that conversation, that narrative, it's all good for Tennessee. Like there's just so much stuff down the line that can come from this. It's not just a Nico thing where he comes in and he plays quarterback for a couple of years. Like this really can set if they utilize everything the right way and really don't don't screw this up in typical Tennessee fashion it can really set the program up for years of success just this one moment I mean I know that's kind of crazy to say that just one moment can change the entire trajectory of a program but it really can I mean if they harness all of this the right way absolutely and I think that's what they're thinking by supposedly reportedly sinking this much money in into the, or really i guess coordinating this much money for nico how you know wherever the money came from we don't we, don't tell me i don't need to know but wherever this money came from if the, he plays for three years and makes what like two and a half million a year in that range two yeah. and two-thirds million whatever it is i mean that that's almost a bargain if he pays off like what we think he's going to be. I mean, that, I mean, what I'm just interested to see in how this transpires down the road. Like, okay, you've got Nico, but who's the next five-star quarterback that you got to go after? And what will yeah. it take to get him? If you flip this kid into a 10 win season, like just translate that over it's a 10 win season and, and a, a sec East, championship you you know you mm -hmm. find a way to be georgia and florida and you win the sec east again that alone because you'll go back to selling out Nealon for basically every game you'll go back to selling tons and tons of merch you'll go back to having all this fan excitement and having so much more brand recognition than in all of these down years and just that revitalization alone is worth far more to Tennessee than two and a half million bucks in a single year. Because that, you said it there, it goes into the future. It lays a foundation. There, it's an investment. That's what this this really is. Is that you're? It's kind of it's like investing in a blue chip stock. 
You say, you know, I'm going to put money in Amazon. And over the course of 10 years, it's going to give me a nice return back. And you say right here, I'm going to put big money into Nico. And hopefully he lays this foundation that ends up turning things around for 10 years for Tennessee, rather than just being, you know, this flash in the pan and then it's over how it's, how it's been in years past with these five stars that have committed to Tennessee, you have gotten them, but they, it, it didn't all come together. They were great, but they didn't like put the puzzle together. And I think that has to be what they're thinking here is that this is the beginning of putting the puzzle together where you return back to nine win, nine win seasons minimum where you return to winning the SEC East, where you return to the SEC championship game and actually being at this top level. Because if you if you just land some of the other kids that that were here this weekend, you had Carnell Tate, huge. That would be massive. They can get him in the fold. Casper, uh, uh, what uh, Kyle Casper, right, Kyler, Kyle? Kyler. Yeah, Kyler Casper, Kyler Casper, sorry. Um, you get, get him in huge, you know, and, and then you get like three of these guys and they're, you know, and then you get two other guys that are calling their friends and they're trying to get more recruits and then they get here and then they're talking to potential recruits after they're already at Tennessee. It just is a snowball that can build on itself. And I, that has to be what they're thinking. That has to be the strategy here where they go, we're going to make this giant splash. We're going to put it out there. We're going to, you know, we're going to make sure that the athletic writes about it and that everybody knows about it, even though we're not going to say it was us. You know, <laughs> Everybody knows with the deal. And I, if, if that is what this becomes, this is, I, again, I said it last week about um, the handling of the NCAA violations where their Tennessee slapped itself on the wrist pretty hard for a year. And then if you beat the NCAA uh, investigation, that's a master stroke. I mean, what you, you handled it beautifully. And here, if this turns into the foundation you want and you end up winning 10 games a year for the next 10 years, this is beautiful. Who cares about 8 million bucks up front? If you can set a precedent for 10 years and be great for a long period of time, it's so worth it in every single way. And so hopefully that is what is happening here. Hopefully that's what it turns into. Only time will tell. Unfortunately, we can't. I'm. I wish I could tell the future, but this is Tennessee, and Lord knows what will actually happen. <laughs> but I, I like where it's headed, nonetheless. Uh, speaking of that NCAA investigation, it's not really a much of anything. But Andy Staples did put like a little note in his article that just said that uh, Tennessee is still awaiting a notice of allegations from the NCAA in the infractions case involving former football coach Jeremy Pruitt. By the time the typically slow-turning wheels of the NCAA justice spin around on that case, the entire landscape will look completely different than it did in 2020 when the accusations were made. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that's true. pretty much new. You know, Tennessee's just now in that wait-and-see mode uh, where they're not, you know, they're not paying lawyer fees anymore at this point. Uh, various media outlets request that information. They were updating that pretty frequently uh, where they'd show how much they had spent on attorney fees each month, and that's dwindled down to nothing. So completely done just waiting for the NCAA. Now, what what does that process entail? Like The NCAA was there for everything. What do you do now? I mean, you just look at it and say, I feel like you could do that in like four hours. You could look at everything, come up with what you want to do, and submit it and be done with it. Like, what what, that- what else is there to it? 
I mean, is that not everybody's question as far as the NCAA goes? It's like, how if, if you collect the information and, uh, and Tennessee collected it for you and said, here it is. And you were there. You, you were there go. alongside them. Yeah. As they did it. What takes so long? Because there was the there was actual propo- proposed legislation at the federal level in the last few weeks um, that would require the NCAA to speed up its investigations. It said it would have it would be required to complete them within like a year or something. They'd have to be done because it re- what what is taking what takes so long for you to you have this? It's like they're only in the office once a quarter because Seriously. they'll have they'll have like seven at one time. Like, oh, this guy's like, do you remember the waivers where like Cade Mays and had to wait forever on these waivers to get approved? And they, I think Cade Mays missed, he like missed the first game of the season or something, right? Because he wasn't eligible yet. That it was Cade Mays right. or somebody else. I have to go and back they, and look. They didn't or, even or, get the pl- Like play, Euros, right? Euros Plavsic. He missed yeah, the yeah, entire yeah. half of the season and then finally got approved. It's like the NCAA will do like a bunch in one day. Like, do you only work like four days a year? I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> they're like, they're like Congress. Yeah, <laughs> they, they just they come in, they work for a few hours, then they leave and go back. You know, and they don't even <laughs> respond. They just, they, they just don't have to be there. They just don't. That's all. Oh, that guy's not here to vote today, so oh, we'll put oh. this off for another two months. I, I don't get it, and I. And that's what makes that situation concerning. While we're also potentially happy about it like i i really like the way that tennessee handled it but also i go like the ncaa is so stupid they could still you know slap you so you know like seriously though i mean what what do they do uh over there just another reason why i mean just in the ncaa just get rid of these clowns they they're done uh but on the whole all of this is obviously the preliminary stages of what it could become. You have to acknowledge that and say, we are talking about this at a time before any of the truly great stuff has happened. But this is the way that you set up for truly great things to happen. I think that's the way that you can frame this. To see Tennessee do things that are actually competent, like invest in a huge way in the future, pay an AD a ton of money to bring in a guy that he thinks is good. And then that guy works with that AD and invests in the future with a quarterback. And they, you know, they, they're not playing around. They're here to play with the big boys and they lay down a bunch of money for that kid. And then they bring him in. And now clearly he on Tennessee's behalf, now he's doing a ton of work and, and, really just marketing for Tennessee with this seven on seven event and, and everything that he did this whole weekend, like you are, you're constructing the snowball and you just got to keep rolling it downhill. Just keep rolling it downhill. And hopefully it all leads to, to that spot. Um, I will say on a side note, you brought up the pajama pants. Let's, let's look again at this clip. Uh, with Nico. But uh, he had in another clip, actually, at least that I saw, Nico branded pajama pants. Um, yeah, they said there's a line. There's like a whole line. 
yes. coming out. And this is another opportunity, like we were talking about with Mike Honcho. <laughs> hey, those pajama pants might not be the best looking thing in the world, but they're pajama pants. You wear them around the house, you know? It's another opportunity for Tennessee fans to really show off. And, like, if you could get a kid to have, like, a fashion line, as much as I, as a 30-year-old dork that I am, don't totally understand the pajama pant thing, uh, if you could, like, get a kid a successful fashion line, (laughs) I mean, are you kidding? What a selling point! That would be... That would be so crazy. I'm not... I'm not going to market on this kid's behalf and tell you to go buy Nico Yamaliava pajama pants. But if Tennessee fans did that, it's just another thing that Hypel can go like, this kid sold pajama pants and it's going, hey, they're selling like hotcakes. Just think if you, you know, whoever it may be, Carnell Tate is like, you come here, you show out, you get out there and we're we're going to sell Carnell Tate hats or what you know whatever it might be like that's the the honestly the uh the options are endless as far as what tennessee could do here i i think they're they're thinking ahead they're thinking progressively i i love it so much it's so great to see tennessee not lagging behind like they have it so much i mean with phil former that guy just didn't know what he was doing and god god bless him he, he well, did a lot for Tennessee as a football coach, but as an AD, he was just lost in the woods. And to see Tennessee get out ahead of stuff like this is so great. It's so well, great. The same reason Fulmer failed uh, as a head coach, didn't really fail as a head coach, the same reason he got pushed out before you would expect. I mean, he was still pretty young to be yeah. kind of forced out. Uh, it's because he didn't really evolve the way that you have to evolve in this business to stay relevant. And that carried over to his time as an athletic director. I mean, he hired a coach that he would have hired in 1998 to be his defensive coordinator. That's great in 1998, but in 2017, that just wasn't what Tennessee needed. It wasn't what you – it's not what's going to be successful in college football. Part of the reason Nick Saban and some others have been so successful this long in their careers is because they constantly evolve. Like Nick Saban – hired Lane Kiffin to run his offense. He was a lightning rod for controversy, fresh off of getting fired at USC. He brings him in the next year to run his offense. I mean, that is a huge gamble that you don't think of a guy like Nick Saban really making, but he felt like that's what his program needed, and it it completely changed Alabama's offense. We've talked about it before. We've seen Alabama's offense change over this past season to where they start going with more tempo, which I – I don't like because I, I you know, it's worse for Tennessee, but you don't, you kind of want that to be Tennessee's thing. You don't want to see Alabama doing the same thing. And then suddenly that's a whole thing where you're going up against better talent with the same system. That's a whole nother conversation, but it's just that ability to evolve. Danny White does it. I think Josh Heupel, obviously, he played one style of football growing up and coming through the system, and he's continued to evolve over the years. So that's the, the biggest reason that Tennessee fans should feel secure in this program continuing to move in the right direction. I mean, I I think you may be seeing the comparison of, you know, Tennessee evolving with the times. You see a guy like Dabo Sweeney right now, Sweeney. Mm. He's kind of been a little, uh, what's the right word? Like a troglodyte sort of just like, 
I don't like this paying players and whatever he said publicly where he's, he has said publicly, he doesn't like this new model. And at this point, you see how well this is selling to recruits at Tennessee at a place like Tennessee, Alabama, wherever, who's, who's given out these big deals. How do you as a coach think that it's a good move to go out and say publicly that you're not with this, that you don't like this. That's a good way to kill your program to say, Oh, you, you love this thing over here. Well, you're definitely not getting it at Clemson. That's stupid. What are you doing? I I mean, yeah, Tennessee is in a position where we almost have to be kind of desperate with the moves that we make, (laughs) you know, get a kid an $8 million deal. We're like, Saban probably doesn't have to do things like that because you just know you're going to show up and be able to win a national championship with the guy. But it just to to not to be denying this NIL stuff at this point, you're you're going to be on the losing side of history here. You are. I don't this isn't going back. This isn't changing back. The NCAA might try to clamp down on it. But what's the end game of that is that the NCAA goes away, not that the NIL goes away. So. I. I think to to see that finally, because you, especially in recent years with Butch, I mean, Clemson ate his lunch on the recruiting trail. And to have a guy like Josh Heupel spearheading the new era of recruiting and have a guy like Dabo Swinney making a clown of himself um, and still fighting against it, I I couldn't be happier to see that, frankly. And it all... It's all a very positive sign for Tennessee, even if this doesn't turn into a national championship winning team. You know, that's all yet to be seen. But just the fact that Tennessee is making this effort is is really encouraging and a great uh, a great change um, for what has historically been a really incompetent athletic program. You talked a little bit about Clemson there, and I, I think uh, a lot of people have have pointed it out before that that Tennessee's kind of descent uh, tumbling to the bottom of the SEC kind of coincided with Clemson's rise because they recruit the same areas so much. We've seen numerous players from East Tennessee uh, end up at Clemson, players that should have been at Tennessee. T. Higgins, Amari Rogers, uh, Trevor Lawrence from close to Chattanooga ended up at Clemson, growing up a Tennessee fan. If Clemson, if Dabo's going to kind of go all against this and rail against it and think that he's going to win because he's not. I mean, college football has changed. It's going to change more. He's anti-transfer portal, but he will use it if he has to fill a need. But he wants to go out there and say, well, these, you know, what am I telling these guys in the locker room if I'm taking guys from the portal? Uh, Between that and not wanting the players to get paid while he's making $10 million a year, how are you going to say that an 18-year-old who has dedicated himself to playing football and has created this market for himself based off of his natural ability, I mean, you how do you argue against that? It's capitalism. It's what he uh, can make. I mean, it's if he can generate that revenue for himself, who's to say that that's a bad thing? I mean, I don't, I don't understand the argument against that. I, I can't fathom in this society, how you could be against somebody creating value for themselves and then cashing in on that value, just as Dabo has done. I mean, he's coaching football. He's making $10 million from it, or, or however much money he makes. He's created that for himself by being successful. 
go get as much as you can get, Dabo. I mean, I, I don't blame you, but at the same time, let this kid get as much as he can get as well. This uh, is, both things can exist. This is from January 29th. This is a couple months ago. This was Dabo's actual quote. This is what he said about NIL. I'm not against NIL at all. What I am against is anything that devalues education. That's what I'm against. I'm against the professionalization of college athletics. Give me a break. What does that mean? Now we're paying guys salaries and 18-year-olds have to pay taxes? I don't think that's good. I mean, what are you doing? If I was a Clemson fan, I would be catatonic about that. That's appalling. In the current environment yeah. in college sports, we've uh, obviously we've gone at length about this on this show, but college football is pro football. It's semi-pro football. It's a feeder league to the NFL, essentially, but it's pro football. It is what it is. They It generates billions and billions and billions of dollars. And these kids for so long haven't really gotten a cut. And now they're getting a cut. And a guy like Dabo Swinney doesn't like that. What are you doing? What are how how do you think that that's a good idea? You could even think that. You could think that. It's stupid, but you could think that and just not say it out loud. But he's going on in big that was on 247 sports. I mean, he's saying it in a very public forum, and it's unbelievable that you would do that and just and i mean not to get too serious into what he just said but 18 year olds paying taxes i'm sorry i didn't realize that 18 year olds couldn't get jobs you know Dabo, there are actually kids that don't go to college and they like you know they go become an electrician or something at 18 and they pay taxes it's you know funny enough guys that do work like these football players are doing sometimes they get paid and they, they pay taxes from the money that they make i it's so crazy but i'll say i'll take it whatever if Dabo wants to sink his ship more power to him. I don't care what Dabo does because yeah, Clemson can go back to where they were before he ever showed up. And, you know, I was fine back then because Tennessee was good and they were bad. So I, it's just crazy to me that, that one of the top tier coaches is going out there and saying stuff like that right now. It's so toned down. I don't think, I don't think Dabo has any clue that uh, at one time basketball players are going straight to the NBA at 18. They can still go at 19. You've got, players signing with MLB teams out of high school for millions of dollars signing bonus. You have 16-year-olds from the Dominican Republic and Venezuela signing major international deals worth millions of dollars with MLB teams at 16 years old. Uh, this whole guise of education, I, I mean, I, I understand it to an extent, but there's a lot of guys going to play college football that don't really, they just want to play football. And that's what they're going to do. And there's a lot of guys that are going to go make the most of their opportunity and they're going to get their graduate degree in something. They're going to get a master's and they're going to have a great career in something other than football. Everybody's situation is unique. I, I don't know. I'm not going to claim to know somebody's motivation for why they want to go play college football. But then it, that should have nothing to do with the amount of money they're able to make. I mean, that what they want to do is what they want to do. If they want to go make the most of making money and getting a degree in something and and that's great i mean it, it's whatever whatever path is best for them like that's not for me to decide it's certainly not for Dabo to decide i'll just say this if any recruits are listening to this you know we mentioned a few here if any of them end up listening to it i mean if you want to go play for Dabo, so be it but if you want to come to tennessee and sell your pajama pants and make a bunch of money 
and sign big NIL deals, come on down. We'll have you. And we're not going to shame you over it uh, like Dabo will. So that's <laughs> the way that I can, uh, you know, wrap that conversation up. But you know what I would I would love to know about Dabo? And we'll probably never know because it's the, the Manning family and they don't really throw shade out there or talk about stuff like this. But I don't know how much how close you've kept up with Arch Manning in his recruitment, but one of the back in, I think January, he eliminated Clemson from his top schools. Like he's got five or six schools, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Ole Miss, LSU, Florida's in there somehow. But he took Clemson. I mean, it was it was reasonable Clemson was in that mix. You know, they've been a they've won national championships. He took them out way, way early on. And I wonder what that was about. Like I would love to know the reasoning there was it Dabo's weird was it the whole vibe here or he I don't know what exactly went down but I would love to know what caused Arch Manning to eliminate them so early that's interesting I hopefully it's a sign that Dabo really is losing his grip on any kind of elite recruiting (laughs) like that that would be nice (laughs) um not to so if Arch, I would, program. I would rather, I would rather Arch go to uh, Clemson or Texas than Alabama or Georgia or Ole yeah. Miss. That's well, and I almost wonder if he does ultimately go to like a Texas, so that he's not under the the thumb of I gotta be a Manning in the SEC and live up to you know my my both of my uncles were so great and that whole thing. Um, if he does go. Well, obviously, Honestly, if, he went, if he went to Texas, he'll end up in the SEC. His like, yeah, that's year, true. But, that's true. Uh, Honestly, the best situation for him, and I hate to say this because it's I, I can't stand the program, but his best situation would probably going to Georgia, where you know you're going to have a great yeah. defense, and you're not. I mean, you just saw a walk-on quarterback win a championship. Like, you don't have to go there and be the reason that Georgia wins a championship. Like if you're looking yeah. at this logically, I feel like that's pri- and I think the family's comfortable with Kirby smart because he played with Peyton. I mean, he's kind of, he's friends with Peyton. He knows the family extremely well. Cause he comes from that same era. I think they, I think they were really comfortable. I think like, I feel like it's going to be Georgia because of that. Uh, Texas when it shocked me, I don't think it'll be Ole Miss. I, 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 I'll hate to see it. I will hate to see it. But I feel like if, if you look at it logically, that would be his best choice. And I think that's what, what will happen. That would make me pretty ill. Uh, I, mean, I hope he goes to Virginia where he visited this weekend just because <sighs> I think his mom went to Virginia. So that's kind of like a family, Did he a say family sister thing. Goes there or something? Yeah, sister is yeah. goes there as well. Peyton's wife, his aunt went there. So there's a lot of family connections. I think that's the only reason they got to visit. Nice. Just go. Who's who's there now? Is that coaching is Virginia? That where, is that where Tony Elliott went? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, go up, go up there. Leave us alone, please. <laughs> please don't go to Georgia. Please go to go to Washington or something. Oh, uh, anywhere, anywhere, but Georgia, because it's that's the that's the hurdle. I mean, we've. We've lived with a built-in loss to Alabama for however long now, since 2007. That one I could deal with if you went to, I'm obviously not happy about it, but I could live with Alabama because they, you know, they already are rocking with five-star guys. But Georgia, I mean, you're talking the entire time he's there. 
is that team ever beatable? I, you know, uh, no. What what would Peyton do in no. that situation? I mean, what would he do? That's his nephew. I understand. You know, family. They they're going to play Tennessee every year. What does Peyton do? Uh, I don't know. That that's kind of awkward too. <laughs> don't right? show up at games. Just avoid it. <laughs> yeah. Don't go. <laughs> Would you rather Arch go to Georgia or Alabama? Al, I mean, it has to be Alabama, right? Because they just, they kind of just beat us anyway. Like Georgia, yes, they're that good. But I just, Kirby is just not as good of a coach as Saban. He's just not. It's just a talent. Yeah, it's just a talent. It's a talent accumulation that he's had there that he's able to win with. And I think if he has a couple of years where the talent is still really high level, but they don't have like good team leaders and things like that. I think they could have some, some off years where they lose two, three games. And, and I think Tennessee has to be right there to capitalize on that. You have to be, be obviously be ahead of Florida. That has to be a given right now. You have to pass by Florida. Mm -hmm. This is the time they're making coaching change in a year where Tennessee is not, you're ahead of them. You are out ahead of them talent wise. You're out ahead of them administration wise. You are you're beating them in all other sports. Your baseball team is better. Your basketball team is better. It's like, please, d- just do this. Just do this thing and surpass Florida finally, and you get over that hurdle. And I mean, Georgia's the only thing standing in your way. And uh, uh, Arch going there would just be devastating. <laughs> I mean, that's. I, cause I do, I think he's going to be great. He is, he's an NFL quarterback eventually. I mean, you watch his tape. He just, he's, he's a Manning man. I, I don't, whatever it is, it runs under blood. Um, I, I do think ultimately Nico could come out as the best quarterback out of this class or somebody else. You know, I think there, there's been talk that Nico might be that guy, but I think somebody else could come out of his class as the best quarterback. But I, I almost think there's no doubt that he's going to be pretty good. He'll be better than Stetson Bennett. I mean, the walk-on who, you know, really is not all that particularly good. Um, So, oh, please, please don't. I'll I'll pay you to not go to Georgia. Please, anywhere. That's the fascinating <laughs> That's the fascinating thing about his recruitment, too, is that, like, how does NIO money factor into that? Because clearly that family doesn't need money, but at the same no. time, uh, you know, rich people don't get rich by like not seizing opportunities to make money. So uh, how does that play out? I'm sure it'll be some sort of factor. I'm just not sure how big. I think as that kid, you you got to be hoping to have your own legacy and to break away. Like you, you kind of go, because I think like even Cooper, I think he's like a commodities trader or something. Like he's yeah. been really successful and he's in those commercials with them still. Mm-hmm. He's a notable face. But I think you got to be going... I gotta be my own guy, you know, make, make my own way, make my own money, do my own thing. Yeah. I could fall back on just being a Manning, but not, you know, to not want to do that. And maybe, maybe he doesn't have that drive. Uh, you do have to wonder that, I guess, um, which that would be pretty hazardous for his college career, but that's all, you know, we would be to say that he's like that. I would be attributing something to him that I have no idea if that, if he's like that. Um, if he wants to make his own way and kind of become a legend in his own right, Virginia is the only place. I think that's seriously the only place that can happen. The only you could go to Virginia and be the first of all, almost definitely you'd be the greatest quarterback they've ever had. I don't know who has played at Virginia. 
I lived in Charlottesville for a time. They don't care about football. And you could go there and make them care about football. Mm -hmm. Flip that program around. Be the superstar. And and Lord Charlottesville, everybody's a lawyer at Virginia. They have the money. They can give you the deal. It's. I think it's a given. Honestly, and Tony to Tony Elliott is a Tony Elliott is an in demand coach. Tennessee. Oh, badly wanted him. Tennessee fans badly wanted him. Everybody wanted him. It was so sad when he didn't. We missed out. Yeah, very much missed out. Got lucky. I mean, it just happens. Stage. He's got lucky with Heupel. I mean, Elliott's the best thing. So. I mean, it's frankly, if he's you know he's obviously surpassed. Uh, Tennessee or passed by Tennessee, I think the next best thing is Tony Elliott because he, you know, to our sadness, Tony Elliott was not the coach here. And so you have to go play for him at Virginia. I think that's the only real option. Um, and and best of luck to future Cavalier. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be a legend. <laughs> oh, I think that's it. Uh, Charlie Burris, that's Zach Reagan. Thank you to everybody for listening uh and and watching youtube.com type in a to z sports there and subscribe hit that notification bell everything a to z sports podcast network feed subscribe rate review at charlie underscore burris at zach tnt at a to z sports a to z sports.com i think that's it uh anything as we roll out zach for for the good folks at home no hopefully uh Tennessee takes care of, I think I got Tennessee Tech on Tuesday and then yeah. a uh, tough series against Alabama just swept Ole Miss. So don't, yeah. don't go in there taking them lightly. Weirdly uh, swept swept Ole Miss, but we'll see what happens. Because otherwise they have like 12 or 13 losses yeah. on the season. They're, they hadn't been good coming into that series. But It's one of those kind of series though. Tennessee's hot. They're really, really hyped up right now. Alabama's kind of playing good this past week. So watch out. Know. Yep, they got talent. You can't you can't just think you're going to walk all over them. Yeah, don't get lazy. Yeah. We'll talk about it next week. That's it. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan, thanks for listening. And, well, I just said this. It's going to be redundant. But we'll talk to you all next week. See you guys later. Get out.